What's up, everybody? Sultan of Strangles here. And in today's episode, we are going to be interviewing a legend. His name is Mo Jassim. He is the head of ADCC North America, one of the most important people in the sport. He is responsible for the 2019 ADCC, which was the greatest event in all of jiu-jitsu. The most people in attendance and the most money paid out to competitors. It was truly remarkable. He is going to be running ADCC this year as well, which is already surpassed as far as tickets and sales for the event. So this guy is very passionate about the sport. And I am honored to say that he's like a big brother to me. We're very close. I've hung out with him many times. I've picked his brain on a lot of things and I asked him to come on the podcast. And he was nice enough to come um, just share some of his thoughts. We're going to talk about ADCC trials, ADCC. We are going to start talking about ADCC opens, regular tournaments you could do with the rule set. So this episode was action packed. Sit back, enjoy. But before you do that, Go to Instagram at K-O-O-L-R-A-K. Make sure to follow me. Make sure to give me a shout out and give this podcast five stars or a good review on whatever platform you are listening to. Please follow the gym at Immortals Jiu-Jitsu and go on the website. Check it out, ImmortalsJujitsu.com. Thank you for your constant support. Thank you so much for your patronage. And I hope you enjoy the episode. What's up, everybody? Sultan of Strangles here. And y'all may think, you know, I'm the Sultan because it's my fight name. But there's a man in the shadows that controls everything and is the real person in charge. You know, many, many know him as the real Sultan. And uh, he actually made, uh, he was running the last ADCC, which was the biggest one in history. He's going to top even that. So it's my great honor to have my big brother on the show, Mo Jassim. What's up, buddy? How are you, Mike? Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's good. it's good to have you on the show, man. I've been wanting to uh, do this for a while, but I know you have a super busy schedule, you know? I got time for you anytime, buddy. <laughs> so, you know, we talked about uh, if I if I throw some left field questions and um, it's too much, just you could just say <laughs> pass. <laughs> no, no problem. No problem. All right, so let's start off the episode with, have you ever been in a fist fight? And yeah. how badly did the guy lose? Uh, I've been in a few. It's been a while. Um, I was in a few in high school and a few in college. Um, <laughs> interesting enough, I'll just talk about one. It was in college. Uh, I was playing basketball. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I play pretty rough, whatnot. It was like a, a pickup game. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, and... Uh, I was getting physical with a guy and, uh-huh. you know, knowing me, I got a pretty short fuse and he started getting lippy with me, but he tells me straight to my face. He's like, he's like, you do anything. And he was with like four friends. He's like, we're going to, we're going to jump you. So I was like, okay, I got to know my limitations. Uh-huh. So I, w- I went back a week later with three or four of my friends we're playing basketball uh-huh. and I'm same guy. So I'm going at it, but this time I knew I wasn't <laughs> going to get uh-huh. jumped. Exactly. So he goes uh, chest to chest with me. So I just give him the patented body lock from hell. (laughs) I picked this, I mean, I picked this guy up like as high as I can instantly. Uh And I slam him to the ground as hard as I can. This is on the basketball court. Luckily he didn't his head. Uh And then immediately I mount him and he just goes to like cover his face because he thought I was going to just bludgeon him. Uh (laughs) And then one of his friends I saw, some like puny scrawny guy comes to swing at me at the back of my head. Oh, my I, I saw it coming. Um, so I just duck. He missed. A guy couldn't fight. And then one of my friends got involved. So uh, that was probably the last time I got physical. I've gotten close a few times, but, um, you know. Wasn't there some guy that messed with you in the club recently? I remember you told me. I did have an issue in a club recently. It recently. Um, I forgot what it was, but I think I don't know the, if it what happened if it was a fight or you I were... have I have issues in the club all the time because I'll be honest with you, I'm sober uh most of the time. So like when we're going out, we're going to big group. I'm just trying to make sure, you know, but you know, I'm not looking for fights, but at the same time, if someone's gonna get in my face or disrespectful, I'll mm-hmm. I'll be more than more than happy to uh 
to get into it. So, um, uh, but you know, it's, it's been a while, but you know, I'm, you know, I'm 41 now. I try to stay out of trouble and you know, most of the time, uh, you can, I can tell when someone wants to fight and they don't, and they can tell very quickly, you know, people can tell very quickly when someone's not intimidated and they know they're about it. Exactly. So that's, and when they see my face, there's a, okay, this guy's not, um, what's it called? You know, I, even I, in Coachella last year, I had an issue. Some guy was like coming over and I just said, Hey buddy, like you're coming over to the side. And he started getting mouthy with me and, oh, uh, you know, like real and like getting like, right, like right in my face. And he's just like, I'm a professional boxer. Oh God. So I just look him in the face. I'm like, well, yeah. can you please swing first so I can break your face? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> this is a true story. Then, there was like 20 people there. And then my, my brother got involved and broke it up. But uh, yeah, like I said, you can just always tell, um, but you know, I'm not break it up, man. Let him I don't want to, I mean, I got a pretty, you know, I'm middle Eastern, so I got that, that temper. So uh, Same here, man. I, I try Same to here. keep it under, under check. <laughs> yeah. Like I have, I have problems in clubs too. You know, uh, if, if I'm out, if I'm out with a girl, she's like, Oh, I want to wear this, this and this. I'm like, you know, preferably, you know, you wear your niqab and your hijab, right? But uh, <laughs> if you if you want to if you want to dress the way you want, and someone you know says or does the wrong thing, they're getting put in the camel crusher, and yeah. they're, and they're getting the wind knocked out of them, you know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's what it's about. I mean, that's why I love the body lock. You know, it doesn't leave a mark. You just give them a nice little squeeze, let them know. <laughs> you just let and them know who their father is, you know. Exactly. I mean, you give someone a good bear hug. I mean, I hurt my shoulder recently. Like that's my thing is the body lock squeeze uh, at West uh, coast trials. I'm going to tell you a funny story. Uh, Cade Rotolo was there and uh, I have a, a bone to pick with Cade cause I have never scored a point on him. Okay. Really? Now to just um, go and uh, you know, you know, there's a rule in grappling where what happens in training stays in training, right? Yeah. I don't oblige by that rule. Um, <laughs> for example, the greatest jujitsu day I ever had was, um, I tapped Ty and Ethan back to back rounds. Uh -huh. Okay. This grant granted, this was four years ago, uh -huh. but still, I still got them both back to back. So, uh -huh. and I was like screaming and making fun of him. But the point is Kate, I've never scored on it. He's just tough. So I see him at West coast trials. I'm like, get over here. So I was like, let's go over under grip and we're going to squeeze full power until uh -huh. one of us quits. So we, we go like, and by the way, Majid was there. <laughs> Everyone's watching. Oh so we're going God. like four or five minutes straight. And then I could feel him fading finally, you know, slowly, you know, <laughs> that, that old man strength thing is real. So I felt him, I was excited. I finally beat him in something. And then <laughs> my shoulder was injured for like a month. I just started working out yesterday. So oh, man, that sucks, <laughs> but a good squeeze. I mean, that, that's something um, people underestimate. Yeah, it's the Iranian, it's the Iranian genetics, man. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. not too many people know that about you. So, um, you know, in history, we find we we repeat itself over and over. It's uh, yeah. when things are going, when things are not going too well, hire an Iranian to come. You know, fix yeah. the job. You know, I can name well, so many. What's up? It's funny. It's funny because a lot of people don't know that I'm actually uh, half Iranian. No you one know? knows I'm that. It's sort of a weird mix because my dad's originally from Iraq. My mm -hmm. mom's originally Iranian. I was born in September 1980 when, oh the, my Iraq, God. when the Iraq Iran war happened. So I always wondered like how awkward that must have been. But um, you know, yeah, I no. To a lot of, I, I talk to a lot of um, people from, um, how do you, by the way, in Farsi, we just say Arak. I mean, when they, I mean, you know me, I can't speak Arabic oh. at all. So, you know, when I, when they say it's like Iraq, yeah, I can't say it. They have that, you know, the okay, Arabic, okay. I can't do that. But um, yeah, because we say Iran, I don't know who the yeah. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no, they say Iraq. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. But I speak to a lot of, I, I've spoken to a lot of people from uh, Iraq what what are the thought about iranians are like yeah man none of us wanted to go into that war we were like forced into that war like well because iraq up? has a massive uh shiite population yeah That's yeah why, they're like bro know, we're massive. not trying to go fight our fellow shias it was kind of yeah. forced by saddam from what i understand 
Yeah, I don't know too much of the history, but um, what's it called? It was just, it was always, you know, it's weird to be half. Because, you know, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, my dad's, you know, my dad was uh, law enforcement, like pretty uh, tough dude. And he told me funny stories because he's he's 100% um, mm-hmm. Arab, Arab. So, and my dad used to gamble a lot. And uh, he's, they told me a story. He was in like Las Vegas and some Iranian guys were like saying stuff about him. Like, look at this Arab, blah, 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 blah. Oh man. And he looks at them and starts speaking to them Farsi. And he's like, they, their faces went white uh, because uh, in my family, I'm the only one who doesn't speak Farsi and Arabic. My brother, my sister, my mom and dad all speak fluently English. Arabic. All of all three. Yeah. Oh my God. Wait. So why didn't you ever learn because the reason I didn't, my siblings are eight and nine years older than me. So uh-huh. we moved to America when I was one. That's why I didn't pick it up. They had gone to school in Dubai. So at least, and my mom always spoke Farsi. Even my mom, my mom speaks to me in Farsi still, but I respond in English. No, you gotta, you gotta slowly respond in Farsi. And I know, I know. <laughs> That's so interesting. Wow. Yeah, I've never so, spoken a word of English to my mom ever. She's yeah. always spoke Farsi to me. I've always responded Farsi. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot more, I'd say, influence from the Iranian side because uh, my mom had like eight or nine siblings, a lot. There was like 10 of them. So I have like over 100 cousins, basically, like first, second generation cousins. So very big, uh, very big influence on us, for sure. And for my white, for my white listeners, um, <laughs> you know how like, you know, the nuclear family in the U.S. and in Europe, it's like you, you, you have your mom, your brother, your sister. You kind of see your uncle and, and cousins on holidays. Yeah. For us people, for Iranians, for Middle Eastern, our cousins are like our brothers yeah. and sisters pretty much. 100%. For example, like my mom will do a – we call in Farsi, Mehmuni. Uh-huh. It's like a little, little gathering. Um, on average – with just family, it's like over a hundred of us. Yeah. So like that's a little get together, but yeah, it's very, you know, in the U S it's very different. Um, in that culture, in the Middle Eastern culture, it's very extended, I would say. Yeah. I, I like, the, I like having, you know, a lot of family and stuff, but, um, you know, in our culture, gossip is also real big, you know? Oh my gosh. I've, I've seen it. <laughs> I've I seen know, it firsthand. Like a lot of money, but they're like, is he a doctor? Is he a engineer? And if you're not, forget about it. Forget about it. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not good enough. It's okay. I'll live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's freaking hilarious. So, um, you know, some, some questions that the listeners, um, sent to me, uh, <laughs> was what are your, and if any of these questions are boring to you, feel free to just not, no, I don't, not at all. Because uh, my questions are all the weird ones. The normal ones are from the people. Let's get it. What are your picks for ADCC uh, each weight class? Oh, okay. Um, here, I can't, I'm not going to give definitive picks, but I'll just go down the list. Uh-huh. Six, 66 kilogram division. This mm-hmm. is a very interesting division to me because it's such a wide open category. Tankino's retired. He's out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kennedy's coming in, but you have a lot of first time ADCCers who are really talented. Colabate, yeah. this kid, I mean, he, he showed what he, he's about at East Coast Trials. So Colabate, yeah. Baby Shark. I trained with this kid. I mean, wow. Wow. I insane. trained with him. I'm insane. Um, Fabricio Andre. I think Fabricio Andre is arguably the most exciting grappler right now um super talented mikey musimishi is in there so that one's a very tough one um i think it's wide open in the air and uh you know ashley williams you know people don't know much about him but he is really good so i don't have a he won he won european trials yeah he had four out of five subs he's really tough um he's been a lot of big names uh and it's going to be interesting i mean there's one factor in ADCC a lot of people are not talking about. Um, you know, grapplers get nervous when they compete, right? It's yes. just standard. This is going to a scale that's never been seen in grappling before. I, I walked out that entrance uh, last month. I was at the venue. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm thinking in my head, imagine being 16, 17, 18 years old, and you walk out to an arena with 13,000 people staring at you. So – for, this is a factor I don't think uh, people are highly underestimating. Some people perform better under the lights and some people don't. You know, it's just, it is what it is. So I think that's going to be a major factor. And it's going to be interesting to see how, um, 
you know, how they cope with it. Uh-huh. So let's go to 77. I mean, obviously the favorite in there is going to be JT, right? Because yeah. two time champion, um, JT's just got a great style for ADCC, man. He can yep. wrestle. He never gets tired. Phenomenal passing, phenomenal back takes, un- uh, amazing amount of experience. You know, his first ADCC was 2011. So oh let's my keep- God. that was 11 years ago. So, um, but with that said, the 77 kilogram division is the most stacked division I have ever seen in ground. That's the one I'm most excited for. I mean, yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd be crazy not to be. I, if you don't mind, I'll even call. Like, if you, <laughs> the names are just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, JT, Gary Tonin, Dante Leon. I mean, right there alone, Mika Galvao. This kid subbed everybody. This kid subbed everybody in Brazil before the points time. So he didn't <laughs> submit everybody. He submitted them all before what's it called? Points were called. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Then you got Roberto Jimenez, who's, you know, been on a roll. Cade Rotolo, don't need to say anything about him. Yeah. William Tackett just won the biggest trials ever. Oliver Taza, no slouch himself. Lachlan Giles, you know, the man of the tournament last time. Yeah. Who else we got in there? Lucas Lepre. This is not, I would not sleep on Lucas Lepre, okay? I know Dante beat him last time, but for me, Lucas Lepre is one of the most well-rounded grapplers of all time. Yeah. So this is not a guy you sleep on. And then, um, you know, we also have the Tasmanian devil back, uh, Davi Ramos. He's coming. Wow. Nikki Ryan is going up to 77. And, you know, you know what I've seen in the, some of the stuff I've seen Nikki Ryan do in training, it's just mind blowing, you know? It's so crazy. If Nikki translates what he does in training to the world championship, a lot of people are going to be in for a surprise. And let's not forget Hanato Kanuto, who I, announced recently so i mean that division's just absurd it's know. insane um and then 88 i'll be honest with you i would say it's so hard man <laughs> this divisions it's just you know i would say based on the wrestling and physicality i would say obviously denise who's the current champion he has a big uh a big advantage i think hulk is going to be a serious issue for people at 88 so yeah um, he, he's tough and, and that way, you know, this guy got bronze. I think he gave Gordon Ryan the hardest match in 2019. Um, he's very tough. He looks very good at this weight. So is it going to be like that weight? No, no, no. Oh, he's God. walking around much. Uh, he was just huge for the last one. That's, that's the problem with ADCC, right? You're yeah. talking about a 22 pound weight difference between the divisions. So a lot of times people are stuck where they're too small and too big for the divisions. So, that was my next. That was my next question. Mm. So this is this is my theory. Okay, uh, forgive me. Actually, um, you don't have to, forgive me for, for whoever um, uh, is offended for this. I'm not <laughs> sorry. Yeah, uh, I just have a rule. If you're under 200 pounds, you're not a real man. Um, you know? <laughs> so 66 kilos. The last time I was 66 kilos, I was like 12. 77. That's like a teenage girl. 88, yeah, I and nah, it's still under 200. Those are boys. We got 99, which okay, you're a man, and then you have 99 plus, which you're just a freak if you're that big. So, <laughs> have you so have you is it is it up to you, or can you make more weight classes, or is that not a thing? So, you got to understand something in ADCC, it is very, very hard to make any changes, for example. I tried to change the weigh-in rules last ADCC in 2019. I was like, I went to the bosses, my, my direct boss, and I was like, what do I got to do? Is there any way we can get rid of the Sunday weigh-in? You know, I was like, keep Friday, keep Saturday. I want to get rid of Sunday. Uh-huh. And I was told no and don't ever bring it up again. Oh <laughs> so um, just to show you, just it's hard. But with that said, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, we got to change the weight classes. I'm pushing to change the women's weight classes. Okay? That, that was my next question. The women's weight class. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'll explain something that a lot of people don't know. Uh-huh. I tried to make the women's divisions because I knew adding a third division would not be possible for the world championship. You can't, uh-huh. the trials are almost done. Uh-huh. So what I tried to do was, Hey, maybe we can bump them to 16. So 
Um, the feedback I'm getting is that they'd rather go with a third division, which I'm okay with. Uh-huh. So I would say there's a very, very high chance you will see a third women's division. Of oh, the that's, so, that's awesome. Um, you know, there's a lot of women out there. They're just too big, uh, too yes. not big enough, too big or too small. It's like, it, there's a lot of girls out there. That yeah. For example, like 60, like you get, you know, grace can't do it. Um, uh, what's her name? I mean, she did at my Sabasas, but she was tiny. She still won the trials cause she's so good, but yeah. yeah, there's a lot. And that would be the hard part, right? If they added a third women's division, I uh-huh. would propose to change the weight classes as they are now, like maybe do 55, 65, 65 plus. I don't know. I would, you know, if it got approved, I would just do my research to, to I see. Strongly, I strongly yeah. agree with that. Yeah. So, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this, but like who makes the, who's, who has the final say? Uh, what's it called? So, you know, I have two bosses. I report to one. Um, my boss in ADCC, his name's Guy Nevins. He's, he's been running ADCC since the beginning. So I, wow. I go, I go direct to him. Okay. And then obviously you have the owner of ADCC, uh, Sheikh Tahnoon. So, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's his, it's his, um, but you know, in terms of day to day stuff, I just, talk to guy so and then um you know luckily i've known guy for a very long time like over 25 years and um so he 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 trusts me a lot and uh and you know to be honest mike i always say like i've never dropped the ball in adcc like that's why i got to where i was i was just very cautious i never tried to over promise and under deliver i just did it the other way around um yeah you know my invites and did the work and everyone was impressed yeah, I mean, that's the problem nowadays, man. Everyone's just lazy. They just want to fast cut everything. No, just do it the right way. Do it slow. Do it organic. And then it can become something 10 times bigger. I think yeah. people are just so impatient now. They want instant results. And that's that's never how I've been. I've always been a long-term guy. Um, I'm into, like, you know, visioning these things. Like, you know, my first event ever was 2017 West Coast Trials. And yeah. I was really nervous, you know, I was just like, I, you know, I've been around a lot of events, but it was my first one. And back then when it came off, I was just like, I can, I can do this. Like I can really take this to another level. And, uh, you know, the crazy thing, if you really think about it, I've only done four or five events. I did 2017 West coast trials, 2019 West coast trials, 2019 worlds and this West coast trials. So, and then this, the world championship coming up. So which was amazing. So yeah, I mean, we grew very, very quickly. So what what inspired you to take this role of head organizer? Yeah. Well, I just felt, you know, I don't do this for money, okay? Yeah. I, and that's one thing people have always seen. I don't care. I will spend money. For example, like the World Championship. Trust me, no other organizer is going to put the athletes in a five star hotel. I have to book. 600 room nights in a five-star hotel. Uh But my point is, you know, my model has always been just take care of the athletes, take care of the fans. If the fans and the athletes are happy, that's all you got to (laughs) do. So, um, you know, I'll be honest with you. I saw, you know, I've been involved in grappling a long time and, you know, if I can speak freely, the people at the helm across the sport did a horrible job. They, I mean, they did a good job of elevating it, but they got lazy and they got content. I will never be satisfied with what I do ever. Okay. 2019 West coast trials. I think that was the smoothest trial. I mean, it was phenomenal. Like I thought it was at least, I mean, that's what the feedback was, but trust me, if I do another West coast trials, I'm going to think about how to make it bigger and better. And I feel in jujitsu, I'm not going to name anyone, but across the board, people are just like, I'm going to try to make some money on it. I'm not going to try to like put in any effort. I'll make this money and then that's it. And yeah, it's for me, bare minimum to just make bare minimum. money and get out. Yeah. I mean, let me, let, let me give you an example. This is an interesting one. In 2019 ADCC, me and my partners made no money. Okay. We barely broke even. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, so everyone would be like, oh, you didn't make money. But guess what? Because I invested all that into the production, into the show, and it was a big success. This one has 13,000 people. We went from 4,000 to 13,000 people. So if I had just done it like everybody else where I made it nice, but not that, 
it would have just stayed the same like everyone else does. And yeah. this is the problem with people. They, I'm telling you, I, I know it firsthand. You get organizers, all they think about is, I need to do the show as cheap as possible to maximize profits. Yes. I, I don't look at it that way. It's such a small way of thinking. My thing has always been just make the pie bigger. <laughs> like exactly. it's doable. Make it bigger. Oh, you want to uh, argue about percentages? So what? I'll make the pie three times bigger. So if I give you half, who cares? You see what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. they don't think like this. Um, and obviously it's paying off. Like, this, you know, it's, it's crazy. You know, we got the Joe Rogan, we got, you know, Forbes has done two articles, one championship sponsoring us. I just yeah, got hit. Some yeah, of the I, listeners wanted to know how, how you went about making that happen too. Which one? Uh, well, we could start with uh, Joe Rogan, then one. All right. So Rogan was uh, through Gordon. Okay. So mm-hmm. I call it, I told him now we're even. <laughs> so, because, <laughs> um, the reality was um, my brother actually helped Gordon get the Bitcoin cash sponsorship, which is a hundred grand, which is unheard of a hundred thousand dollars sponsorship for one off event. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my brother's a big, my brother likes Gordon a lot. Um, he, my brother's exact opposite of me. He's like, just think of like this ultra alpha, you know, he's, he's a, he's a character. So uh-huh. he did that for Gordon and then Gordon, uh, paid me back by getting me Rogan. So, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that was it. And with Chatri, So, um, I was, what's his name linked me together. I had Bushesha here a week ago, mm-hmm. visiting me in Puerto Rico. Uh-huh. And, and he would, you know, it's funny. Cause like people assume a lot of things. Like I would be like, Oh, it's one FC. They're a, they're a competitor. You know, that's what they assume. So Bushesha was like, Hey, what's it called? Um, you know, maybe you should talk to him. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, absolutely. I would love to. I go, so me and Chachi, we got on the phone. We spoke for an hour. Very sharp guy. Um, and I felt like me and him had a lot in common. So we just started talking um, more and more. And then what's it called? Uh, Gordon again got me that. Gordon brought up to Chachi, I think, and was like, hey, maybe you should help sponsor ADCC. And he's like, do you think they would do that? And I was like, absolutely. So um, so Gordon got me good on that one. We got him the Bitcoin cash, but he got, he got Rogan and one championship <laughs> wow yeah people people think he's just a freaking some meathead but people don't realize man he he's a he's a businessman no uh you know the thing with me is like this is the thing i hate about jujitsu mm-hmm. is people can't have two ideas in at the, in their head at the same time for example Anytime someone tells me they hate gordon ryan i'm never surprised <laughs> i'm like what yeah. what are you talking about that's fine but when they take it the other, take it even further and be like, "Oh, his jujitsu sucks." Yeah. Like, th- that's what I hate. You know, it's just like, listen, you can be like, "I despise this person with every ounce of my being." That's fine, but he's really good at jujitsu. So, um, you know, that's the one thing I see in jujitsu a lot. It's very, uh, it's very cultish and very cliquish. I'm not a, I'm not a freaking fan of that man. It, and and you, you know, I'm like, maybe it's only like this in Brazil. And maybe it's only like this in the U.S. But then I went to Iran for a summer to, to see my dad. Yeah. There's three gyms in Tehran. Three. Yeah. You would think if since the community is so small, they would be brothers. Fucking hate each other, these three gyms. And that's All why they'll never grow. Shit about each other. I'm like, bro, come on, guys. This is so stupid. No, it's, uh, I mean, it, that's why they'll never grow. And this has been the plague of grappling and it has to change. Okay. Um, I truly believe we are on the verge of something very special, not just for ADCC, the entire sport. Can I, can I attempt to, can I, can I just chime in on that one sentence? Absolutely. You said in grappling and I'm going to have to disagree there because <laughs> wrestling is a form of grappling, right? Yes. And you don't see any clickish stuff in wrestling. You, Kyle Schneider was just in Russia yeah. with freaking Sadulayev, you know? Yeah. The wrestling mentality is so different. They don't have the cults. And I'm trying to figure out what causes the cults. That's, a, I mean, that's an interesting one. And the cult stuff is very dangerous. By the way, can I just go on a tirade? Yeah. I just want to, I ask these people all the time. Like, am I allowed to cuss or no? I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, for sure. I will say not to. Like, so let me get this straight. Just because someone knows how to pass someone's guard or has a good guard, you're going to listen to this person for as, as your mentor. Like, no offense, 
but half the athletes I know, I wouldn't ask them for Google map. I wouldn't ask them for directions to a cheesecake factory, let alone <laughs> every single life decision. I just don't understand it. Um, and it's dangerous and it's silly, you know what I'm saying? So, but it, I think it's changing slowly. It, by the way, it used to be a lot worse. Like, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but back in the day, 15 years ago, instructors would purposely hold back techniques from their students. Yeah. Um, that's a fact. Everyone knows that. Um, I'm not going to name names, but it was, it was very widespread. So um, even like cross training was like, no way. And now that's slowly starting to open up, which I think is a positive thing. Um, so the same here about the holding back techniques from students part. Uh, I'm not going to lie. There's, there's some, there's some nights when I'm going with one of my students and they're giving me a hard time. And I'm like, should I have taught this bastard that <laughs> fucking move? No, <laughs> I mean, you got to keep a couple moves in your sleeve, right? Well, I mean, the way I look at it, though, I mean, it does suck. Listen, I mean, I get very competitive when I train, too. Uh -huh. you know. Uh, but the way I do look at it is if you're helping your teammates and they're getting better, that's going to only make you better. Exactly. Because you can see people. Um, I can always tell the people who do hard rounds with high-level people and the people who don't. It's very obvious. I can see it a mile away. So um, I'll go teaching your enemies, your secret techniques. Yeah, I get that. But teammates or students, I mean, if they get better, you just got to go back and uh, go back they, to the drawing board and figure it out. You know, they're getting better. That means you're going to get better because they're your teammate. 100%. 100%. Um, we actually, I think we talked about uh, up to 88. We, we didn't talk oh, about yeah. 99. minus 99. Uh, which I actually have the list here. So minus 99, these are, I mean, let me just talk about the people in it. So Kainan, who's the current 99 plus champion, he's dropping down to minus 99. He's oh, wow. going to be a serious threat at minus 99. Let's just be clear about that. But you also have Yuri Samoys. He's dropping down. He's a two-time champion. Um, you have Traktor. Marigali will be in there. Um, Joao Costa. Uh, Henrique, who's just like guys a tank, Rafael Lovato, Patrick Gaudio, Tim Spriggs, Vinny Magalhaes, and Paul Ardilla. And uh, I announced El Monstro. So for me, if I had to go on paper, I would say Kainan is going to be the, the one to dethrone, I feel, in that division. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, I can't think of anyone who's really beat him. You have three champions. So you have Vinny. Uh, you know, Vinny is always dangerous because he's so unpredictable. He's got a weird, unique style. And if he's on, he's on. Um, you know, so you can, can never count him out. And Kainan and Yuri did fight in the last one. Um, and, you know, Yuri got injured in that one, unfortunately. Yeah. But, you know, maybe this one will go different. Interesting. I'd be super excited to see that. What do you think about the um, the European trials winner, my my? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've been hearing about Luke forever. Um, it's very rare. I mean, anyone who knows Gordon knows Gordon doesn't speak highly of anybody. <laughs> Everyone sucks, according to him. Um, but he is—he's been talking to me about Luke for a long time, and I jumped on his—I uh, was on his bandwagon when uh, he took out Joe Dirkshing because I know how good Joe is. He took him out, who's number one, mm -hmm. and just won the trials. So I, I keep hearing this guy's just a freak. I, I would yeah. love to just roll with him. Because you know, like one of the advantages, like Luke, you gotta roll this lie, Luke. I'm like, bro, get out, get out smash. <laughs> and uh, you know, I went against them, and for the first time in years, I actually actually went neck to neck with someone. Damn, he Damn. actually put up That's a pretty good fight. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Good. Take it. Take it easy on my trials winners. <laughs> <laughs> so nine plus ninety nine. A lot of people don't know. That Gordon's I, gonna I, be in it. Yeah. So Gordon did something which is unique. I just, you know, a lot of times I see a lot of bullshit out there. I just want to be clear. No one who's done the super fight has ever asked to do the division. Mm -hmm. Off the top of my head, I know of two people because the super fight used to be on Saturday. Uh -huh. So I know of two people who lost the super fight on Saturday and asked to do the absolute on Sunday. We took a vote. I voted no because I was like, what if they win? Then you're going to have the same super fight again, you know? Huh? So, so I was against that. So Gordon's crazy. Uh, he wants to do the division. I think there's multiple reasons, 
But personally, I think he just wants to break the ADCC record because if he does win the super fight and the division, he will be a five-time ADCC champion by the age of 26. Wow. Which is, which is unheard of. And he'll be the first ever three division champion. Yes, no one's done that. There's been a few two division champions, including Yuri, but no three division champ. Wow. And then we got uh we got some teammates in there and we got some former teammates. I mean, there's four ADCC champions uh in that division. So, you know, you we got what's his name? Philippe Pena moved up with just one purpose to possibly meet Gordon Ryan. So Philippe Pena is moving up. You know, there's a history there. Joao Gabriel Roca is a silver medalist. He's huge. He gave Gordon a good fight at Kasai. Orlando. That was when he tore his ace. uh, Yes. uh, MCL. Was that? Whatever it was. Yeah. LCL, MCL. Um, Orlando's coming back. Um, Cyborg will be there. Nikki Rod will be there as well. So. And then how do you. How do you guys pick the seeds and all that? Who fights who first? Well, that's why they call me the bracket master. Okay. Uh I I do it. Um, I just have it. I don't, it it just goes in my head and I just start filling it out. I don't know how to explain it, (laughs) but um, I feel like my, my brackets are very fair. Any invite I do or any bracket I can defend hundred percent. I have no problem. Someone asking me why stuff like that, but I'll make sure it's fair for sure. So can I ask you about one of the competitors? What's up, guys? This podcast is now sponsored by ExpressVPN. Sending data over an unencrypted internet connection is like sending a postcard. Your message is wide open for the mailman and any of those other nosy people to see. Whether you're connected to an unencrypted internet network on your phone, computer, tablet, TV, etc., you're sending countless pieces of information into the digital world that can be seen and intercepted by many different parties before they get to their intended destinations. Guys, go to expressvpn.com slash R-A-K for three months and a discount if you use my code. I will leave the link in the description. But a VPN or virtual private network creates a secure tunnel between your device and the internet. In other words, it puts an envelope around your postcard so no one could sneak a peek at your private correspondence. ExpressVPN protects you from hackers who try to steal your private information. Every time you connect to an unencrypted Wi-Fi network at airport, hotels, coffee shops, or even at home, you're at risk. A hacker connected to the same unencrypted Wi-Fi network can steal your personal info. With only basic computer knowledge, the hacker could even gain access to your passwords, financial details, or even your emails. ExpressVPN encrypts your internet connection using the highest standard of encryption currently available. If you'd like to take a hacker with a supercomputer billions of years to crack. Guys, I will not name what countries I've been to because I don't want to get killed, but I've been to some countries where Instagram, Facebook, social media is completely blocked by a firewall. And the only way you could view those things is a VPN. And thank God I had ExpressVPN on my visits and it made everything easy. I like to use DraftKings, which is a sports betting app. And if I'm not in New Jersey, it says, oops, not in New Jersey, you can't bet. But guess what? ExpressVPN, baby. I say, guess what, guys? I am in New Jersey and I put my bets in. Another thing I like to do with ExpressVPN, let's say you're watching a YouTube video and it says not available in your country or song not available in your country. Guess what? I'm going to make my VPN in whatever country I got to be to listen. If you're trying to get married to someone rich overseas, um, put your VPN in New York City, even though you live in Timbuktu, get matched with someone, uh, fall in love and move over there. All right. Your internet service provider can see everything you do. Us ISPs can legally sell your data to ad companies. UK and Australian ICPs are required to keep logs of websites you visit. The apps you use in the private conversations you have for one to two years. Governments, large corporations, websites constantly survey you and harvest your data for their own agendas. ExpressVPN puts a stop to that by encrypting all your data and hiding your location. Hey guys, ever um, have a conversation with your friends about something and the next thing you know, you're getting an ad, 
yep, that's right. When you let your microphone um, give your microphone access to whatever app you're on, they could listen to whatever you're saying. You want to stop that? ExpressVPN, baby. ExpressVPN gives you unrestricted aspect, as, um, access to all parts of the internet. Many websites or apps are blocked or, or restricted depending on where you are in the world. Certain countries even censor the internet and don't let you access websites freely. Think of a YouTube video you weren't able to watch, a website you couldn't visit, or a sports match you were unable to stream. What about stuff that's cheaper in other countries like Spotify subscriptions, flight tickets, online games? ExpressVPN allows you to reroute your connection to a server in a country of your choice, making geo restrictions a thing of the past. All right, guys, uh, I hope you end up using uh, ExpressVPN. They're sponsoring the podcast. I'm going to put a link in the description. If you don't want to look at the link, it's expressvpn.com slash R-A-K. That is expressvpn.com slash R-A-K. Hope you guys use it. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Absolutely. Or Orlando Sanchez. Yes. So he's been out of the game for a while, right? Yes. So let me uh, let me hear the um, let the me reasoning. Hear, yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Excellent Nothing question. Against him. Nothing against him. No. Excellent question. Because I get this a lot. Let me go back and explain two of my two of my invites and why. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sixty six. Mikey Musumishi. Okay. That can be questioned. Same with Marigali. I base that on first of all. Sixty six had a massive. Uh, drop. You lost Tanquino. Mm-hmm. You lost Paulo Miao. You lost Ty Rotolo. You lost Nikki Ryan. So I had a lot of space. So that's why I went with Mikey Musumishi. Uh-huh. Same with what's it called? Marigali. Like minus 99. There's not like, it's not like 77 or 88 where there's like six hot, really skilled people to yeah. go in. So same with 99 plus. Um, I have one invite left. And guess what? It's not like I have six massive names. So um, same reason I let Davi Ramos back. If you're an ADCC champion, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll bend a little bit, but at the end of the day, I have no problem inviting Orlando. Now, if Orlando was in 77 or 88, okay, that might be different, but 99 plus I look at the list. If I don't have like people, for example, 88, I'm dying to get Pedro Mourinho in. Okay. The minute uh-huh. I get an opening, I'm getting him in right away. So, uh-huh. um, it's just dependent on how many high level people are, are waiting if that makes sense okay interesting yeah i always wondered how how that worked yeah um I, i'm surp- I, I'm, I'm wondering what round felipe is going to be fighting gordon in you know because well anyone active felipe well, not really anyone who if you really think about it it it'd be smart to say that they'd be on opposite sides of the bracket correct yeah which means if they meet it would be in the finals, yeah. <laughs> which would, which to me would be insane. Think about this. Potentially, Gordon could face both super fight um, athletes from 2019 back to back. He could face Pena in the uh, division finals and then go face Galval for the super fight. It's it's absurd. Um. So so he he can do the division and the super fight, but not the division and absolute, right? Yeah, because if he won the super fight and the absolute, he technically fight himself. he'd fight himself. Yeah, it just it wouldn't make sense. So you can't invite someone to do the super fight, right? You have to. That has to be by the rules. That's not true. Um, okay. Because a lot of times the super fight used to be like plagued. Always someone pulled out. 2005, um, who was it? It was Dean Lister was supposed to face someone and then John Jock had to replace. So uh-huh. what happens if someone gets injured or pulls out, we'll put in, you know, generally speaking, they just put in like a veteran or someone, you know, big name in there. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so I noticed we've got European trials. You're, well, European is Middle Eastern, Africa, Asia, which is East Asia, Australia and Oceania, right? Yeah, but you know, I've been to this part of the world. I've been to like the countryside of Iran, and I've seen some monsters, and they just can't get out of the freaking country. I know. Um, and and to to think if these guys could get out of the country, I think they would smash most people. I want to ask: Have you ever had a um, Asian trials or European trials in the actual Middle East before? No, I don't have think you, so. Have you I'll, guys considered it? Like maybe. Uh, okay, I get this a lot. Okay, I just 
let me, I want to make a few things clear. Number yeah. one, I am not in charge of the trials. Okay. I'm just in charge of the trials that I'm in charge of, which technically was only West coast trials. And this year I was given Brazil. So, uh -huh. um, the way I think to do trials, this is my own personal opinion is you need to go where the hotbed of the most talented grapplers are. For example, the U S trials, we do it in the East coast, a lot of talent there. And then we do the West coast, the most talent, obviously you could go to Texas as well, but predominantly speaking, you go where the talent is. Yeah. For example, in Europe, if I was in charge of European trials, I would do one probably in Poland because there's a lot of talented athletes, grapplers in Poland. Mm -hmm. And I would do one in the UK. That's yes. what I would do personally. Okay. You got to go where they are. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, they have trials in obscure places, which doesn't make sense to me. You know, you have to have Kazakhstan. a good, strong, wherever it is. I mean, if, if it doesn't have grapplers there, I just don't understand. Asian trials, I would personally do one in Australia uh -huh. and then one in, I don't know, Thailand, Japan, Singapore, something like that. So that's what I would do. Interesting. Um, but, you know, interesting enough, though, the for some reason, the trials in Australia – doesn't really bring in big numbers, which I thought would have been higher. So, well, Australia is mostly a bunch of wimps, right? <laughs> I mean, just like, like a Craig, right? Yeah, Craig Jones. <laughs> there you go, the, the poster boy. <laughs> I can't – one day I really hope there's um, – I hope they made the decision to um, – I know, I know they, they say maybe there's not that much talent. There's a lot of hidden talent there. Like imagine all the guys from Dagestan and all that oh, yeah. in the Asian trials. For example, um, the first European trials. I didn't go to any of the European trials, but I, you know, I talked to the judges. Mm -hmm. They told me they had over like twenty Dagestanis that came. They don't know much about grappling, mm -hmm. and like I don't know, four of them were in the finals. And the head judge was telling me he's like, "Mo, these guys are just tough." I like, know. Imagine, man, if they just had more of a chance. Oh, you go send like a John Danaher in Dagestan for like a year. Oh my gosh. I mean, you see it now. They're taking over combat sports. Yeah. Like it's coming. In five years from now, it's just, it's not, they're going to have all the titles. I really believe that. Um, well, second most titles next to the Iranians. But. Of course. Of course. <laughs> but I mean, back to your point. Uh, I, I think, especially in the heavier divisions, like if you put in like a high level 99 plus Iranian wrestler, they could do very well. Because, yeah. Um, like I, I said this all the time. If you took Mark Kerr, I, I saw Mark Kerr compete live in 2000. I was, uh -huh. I was there in Abu Dhabi. Uh -huh. I and mean, if you saw this guy, I mean, what do you do against someone that's that big, that strong and that explosive? It's like, you can't do shit. You can't do shit. The only way to be is like, you know, if you went against Gordon, obviously Gordon will enter the legs. But if you don't have leg locks, like if you put Mark Kerr of 2000 and you put him in ADCC in September without like leg lockers, trust me, he would he would win or medal. I agree. They had to change the rules because of him. He would just he would take people down and just headbutt them until they quit. They had to take headbutting out. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm a big fan of his. I've been speaking to him. So um, he's coming. He's coming to September and uh, he's teaching that mega seminar. Oh, my and, God. And I don't think people realize he's an NCAA champion. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to be uh, what's it called? Maybe we can help him with some of his wrestling techniques. So hey, like, <laughs> let me show you the Yazdani underhook. <laughs> my next question is, um, you know, I. First of all, all the titles in the in the UF, in uh, ADCC are kind of like the Guinness Book of um, Records. Number one is Chuck Norris. They're all fighting for second, right? But of ADCC, course. they all know that you and me could beat everyone. They're all fighting for actual second place, right? Yeah, I mean, I maybe I'll enter myself. I mean, honestly, I might do the open. So we're doing an open. That was my Thursday. next question. The open. I'm so excited for that. So. Believe it or not, <laughs> I mean, now I have a lot of pressure. Ricardo Arona is like, you need to do that. He's like, you should enter the uh, open. He's like, I'll corner you. I was like, fuck, man. <laughs> like, Do it. That would be a dream. So I, I started training again. If I get in shape, maybe I'll enter myself the uh, ADCC Open. Dude, so, I'm excited. So I don't think yeah. most people know what that is. Um, ADCC Open is pretty much 
So when I was watching trials and I'm watching um, ADCC, I'm like, dude, the rule set is so fun. The rule set really fights against stalling because the first half you just go for the submissions. There's no stupid advantages. You know, you, you don't get a takedown if someone pulls turtle and you just see fireworks. So I'm like, why don't we just have tournaments, normal tournaments with ADCC rules? Like no one would do IBJJF anymore. That's so, what we're going to do. Because the number one feedback I get is people just want to compete under the ADCC rule yes, set yes. for two reasons. First of all, they enjoy it. And number two, they want to get experience. It's very hard to, to do well in ADCC the first time. The rules are so complex. Yes. But if you put the time and the effort, you can learn, uh, you can learn it very well. So, um, But yeah, we're going to have opens everywhere. Like myself personally – I'm going to be in charge of opens in America, uh-huh. Mex- Mexico, Canada, and Brazil. So oh, I got sorry. those four. Uh, I'm, I'm already like game planning. So we, we're going to launch the uh, ADCC opens at the world championship. So on Thursday, September 15, it's going to be, I'm pushing it to 12 mats, which has never been done before. Oh, wow. uh, we are going to have kids. We'll have teenagers, adults, masters. And not just that, there's a shitload more weight classes. Um, there's like, I think seven women's and maybe eight, nine men's or something like wow. that. There's a lot. There's a lot more divisions, which I'm happy about. Um, and back to the, can I go and make fun of someone if you don't oh, mind? Hell yes. Okay. So th- there's a jackass. His name's the grappling referee. Okay. All this guy does is talk shit about ADCC. And what drives him insane is the fact that we don't have strict border enforcement so i talked to him on the phone for an hour he just first of all this guy's hilarious because he wants to be the most one of the most respected people in jiu-jitsu because he's a referee uh-huh. and it's just like no one gives a shit uh-huh. <laughs> like you're no offense just do your job and go away that's what referees are for no one's you know the athletes are <laughs> gonna get the shine go away. so i talked to him <laughs> and it really comes down to one thing if you look at the Damian Andrew Tackett match, if you look at the PJ Cody Steele match or the Majid match in Brazil, when they went out of bounds, if you thought that was awesome, it's what I think. And that's the direction because this is what the market is telling you. This is what people want to see. No offense, but when I watch Nogi Worlds and I watch an athlete back up to the yellow line every single time and they pull guard so the t- guy on top can't score a point because they're just going to reset them over. That is not spectator friendly. Okay? Exactly. You know, no offense, but if I was the IBJJF, I would be like, what the hell is going on? Think about this. This is something no one else brought up. You had 1,700 competitors at the IBJJF Worlds, okay? Yeah. On Sunday for the finals, the biggest, you know, the final, the culmination of everything, they probably had less than 100 people there. What does that mean? That means, no to watch. that means not even your colored c- competitors, all 1,700 of them, didn't, were not interested enough to sit there and watch. So if you can't get them to sit and watch, how the hell are you ever going to get an audience? Like people just don't think of these things, you know? And it's just laughable to me. Like this grappling referee is like going off. I'm like, dude, me and you can say whatever we want. At the end of the day, we're going to have 13,000 people there for a grappling yeah. event with tickets that were selling for over $400 and are being resold for $10,000 on StubHub. So <laughs> who's right? It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what he thinks. Just look at the numbers. So, um, you know, I just take a different approach. I don't want my referees in suits. Like, what does that do? Am I, am I at a, uh, you know, like an Amazon conference or something like (laughs) what the hell is this? Exactly. Let's make it fun. You know? Um, So I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm the only sane one in this sport and people just do things. For example. And can I bring one thing about what I really like about ADCC referees? I don't know if you guys do this on purpose, but the referee population is very diverse. You've got Americans, you've got Finnish people, you got Russians, you got all ty- all over the world. The IBJJF referees, for the most part, are all Brazilian. Yeah. And, well, and then it's no surprise that we see a lot of matches that 
the yeah. Brock's decision is very questionable. Hundred percent. I mean, you, I've seen this destroy organizations. Bad calls will destroy an organization. And listen, our refs have made mistakes, but I can say, n- not that I know of, any are like just out blatantly biased. For example, like the head judge Peter, he lives in Abu Dhabi. He doesn't barely trains jujitsu. He doesn't. He doesn't even like to be near athletes. He even tells me, it's "Just I don't want to be near them because the minute you get too friendly with them, then it gets." Uh, it gets very annoying. I don't judge a ref anymore, so it doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. And even if I did, I can always be a professional. Like you just got to look at it as just two athletes. But um, yeah, I agree. I agree. That's a problem. Um, you know, another difference of opinion is there was an athlete. I don't want to get drop his name. He was really upset that Gordon did the double finger at 2019. Okay. So this guy <laughs> lectures me, right? He, I love when an athlete tries to tell me what ADCC is okay with and not. So I'm just listening to him. He's just going on a a tirade about Gordon and the disrespect this was built for. I was like, that's a great story. I go, well, my ADCC boss is here live watching it and he loves it. Okay. And I'll tell you why we love it. I don't know if you know this story, but Ari Farias, the guy from Autos, he won a Gi title world. One. Imagine he won the match. Mm-hmm. He opened up his gi and he left the mat. They stripped him of his world title. Why? Because of over celebrating or leaving the mat. You're kidding me. That's a hundred percent fact. So, like for me, that drove me nuts. How the hell do you, you take strip that away from someone? Take that from away from someone. And again, it just shows you the 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 thinking. I'm sorry when I'm doing an ADCC event and I have an athlete screaming at the top of their lungs or showing some kind of raw emotion. That's awesome. That's what something everyone can relate to. What I want a guy to just raise his hand. Like he just uh, came out of a buffet. No, like this is, they don't, the, the people involved in grappling do not understand the art of putting on a show. They just don't get it. It's just, and they're so rigid and they've been at the top for so long. And I'm telling you now, if you've been paying attention, grappling is going to change dramatically. So um, all these people who are not going to adapt and think their ways are right and be rigid, they're just going to die. And they're going to die very quickly because there is massive competition coming into this space. Okay. You have one championship. Okay. You have Amazon Prime as a streaming network coming into play. So, you know, it's a nice trillion dollar company. So. <laughs> I'm just saying you have massive players coming into the space and those who adapt will make it. And those are just going to die off like dinosaurs. I really believe that. So um, I don't look at it as a bad thing. You know, when I get competition, that just means I got to work harder. Um, so, and this is a good thing for the athletes, by the way. Yeah. Because more bigger companies, more contracts, more money. You think know. about it this way. I, I was talking to Gordon about this actually in professional sports. Okay. When you're in the NBA, and you become a free agent, you have what 20 something teams fighting for you, like to the death, they'll do anything for you. If you're in the NFL, right in grappling, there is none of that. It's just like, it's basically one or two players. That's it. (laughs) So you have no leverage. Now when you get big Titans and guess what, they got to start getting talent. You can't put on a show unless you got good grapplers. So the stock of the athletes is going to go up if they pay attention. Yes. Which if they, they pay attention to, <laughs> if they pay attention to who the athletes are, right? No, I'm just saying the athletes. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like, I coach athletes all the time. Like, I'll give them, I'll give them pitches to go tell sponsors. You know what I'm saying? So, um, the athletes, if they if they're looking and seeing what's going on, they're going to have a lot more leverage moving forward, which is a good thing. You know, I'm sorry. But, the, the athletes have been treated like shit in this sport for a very long time. I've seen it. Okay. I've seen organizers, the way they speak to the athletes. It's like, Hey, moron. These are the people who make your show. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand that. Treat them with, it's the little things too, man. So yeah, if you treat them, if you treat your, the people that are your money makers bad, you're, you're losing yeah. your money. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, my, my whole strategy has always been not just in grappling in life is relationships. You know what I'm saying? Like um, I have deep, connections and friendships with people for throughout the years. And that's like, that's a major plus to me. If you know, these people, if you treat athletes like shit, you think they're going to show you any loyalty or do anything for you? Yeah. No. Right. And no. they shouldn't. I agree. 
Speaking of um, speaking of marketing yourself and and adapting or dying, uh, wh- what are your thoughts on this new show that's coming out? Who's next? I think it's brilliant. I mean, you know, I've been around a long time. I actually started watching MMA in 1992, UFC one. Uh-huh. I was I was like 12. I was in sixth grade. I won't forget fifth uh-huh. or sixth grade. Um, and what made the UFC the Ultimate Fighter? What yeah. made the what made it? It was the Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner finale. So yeah. that one show helped go. Dana White says it all the time. That show is what helped launch UFC a hundred years forward. And I think what you know the show that they're doing that flow show. I think it's brilliant. Um, you need to show personalities. You know, this is you're seeing the transition in the sport now, right? Back we got to remember for the last 25 years, all we've been taught was. All that matters is if you win. It doesn't matter yeah. by an advantage. It doesn't matter what you say. No, oh, no offense to the jiu-jitsu athletes, but if I hear another interview of I train really hard, I'm gonna oh, go out there and yeah, I'm gonna do is. my best. It's like put me to sleep. Like no sponsor is gonna be like, oh, we gotta get this guy, <laughs> you know? So um, that's just the way I look at it. It's just like it, it, this is gonna put pressure on not just the organizers. It's gonna put pressure on the athletes. And what do I mean by that? Winning is not enough anymore. You have to market yourself. You have to have a niche. You have to have your own personality. Um, if you go and you win like a Gordon Ryan or a Mika Galvao, guess what? You get all the glory. Now, if you go yeah. win by an advantage or eking out, no one's going to care. And you have no one to blame but yourself. You got to build your brand. 100%. I mean, social media is half the game now. And, and I know a lot of people that will, that will fight and stuff, but they won't post on social media. They won't take it seriously. Hundred percent. Like I tell all the athletes, I'm like, guys, I know you think it's stupid, but posting your breakfast or posting you in the gym, what that does, what people don't, when you post content like that all the time as an athlete, you create an engagement and a personal connection with that fan. They feel like yeah. they know you. They, you know, it's really important. And they'll, they'll, man, you make a fan. And you like a, a good fan, they'll follow you your whole career. Your whole fucking career. And it's just like, oh man, I like some of these jujitsu athletes, it kills me. I'm just they're like, just, guys. They're hardworking when it comes to jujitsu, lazy and everything else. <laughs> a lot of them are. I'll give you that for sure. So who who would you say your favorite uh cast member is on the show? I mean, it's gotta be you, man. I, I, I mean what's because I know you ain't gonna do one of those if I one thing I know with you is you ain't going to do that interview. I train really hard. I'm going to come out there. You know, um, I got a lot of hate for mine. Mine was uh, I, I didn't do the average interview. And it's, oh, who is this guy? I think he is. Just listen. Um, anyone who sits there on social media and talks negatively all day, do you really care what their opinion is? You no, know, like, all. you know, I get this all the time. I get people who make fake accounts to come say, uh, messed up things to me on my ADCC live. And I just laugh and I go, think about this. I go, what kind of loser Makes has to go to make a fake account to come talk track? I go, you're so focused on me. And you know, the grand scheme of things, I just look at it as simply, there's two things in life you can do either something positive building and, you know, improving yourself or just doing something negative, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what these people choose to do. But one thing I learned a long time ago is I'm not going to listen to people who haven't achieved much, you know, like, what do you, like, you know, your theories are great. What have you done? So exactly, I wouldn't put too much uh, thought into it. You know, that uh, quote, it's a Roman quote. It's like, it's the Eagle cares not for the opinion of flies. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, um, you know, people, people, are, people always have an opinion. Someone's going to always be offended, especially nowadays. <laughs> like, um, it's just it's just funny to me, you know. Well, man, I can't believe we're we just hit an hour, man. That 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 went by real fast. Damn. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, man. This means so much to me, and I'm super excited to hang out with you again soon, man. Of course, my pleasure, man. Um, it was it was a great time, and uh, we'll do it again for sure. For sure, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks again. All right, brother. Take care. All right. Support for Rambling with Rack is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. 
Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off free worldwide shipping with the code RAKRAK at manscaped.com. And if my math's correct, that's about 8 million balls. Guys, Manscaped has truly changed my life. Y'all know Middle Eastern men. We got some serious dense forestry down there. I have tried everything. I've tried the -the over-the-counter buzzers. I have tried straight razors. I have tried regular razors. And nothing has made manscaping easier than Manscaped. All right, guys. So the Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived. And oh, man, is it a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. Guys, the ball deodorant, all right? Let's say you're on your last set of leg press at the gym and your girl hits you up, says, what are you doing? You don't have time to take a shower. You just take a quick little um, whiff of that ball deodorant, wipe down there, and head over to her house. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0, the trimmer is a future of grooming, and dare I say the greatest ball trimmer ever. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is a waterproof and also has 400K LED spotlight you need for more precise shaves. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. Guys, as an Iranian man, I could attest to you that when using a regular buzzer, uh, if you go to my bathroom floor, it literally looks like you just entered the Amazon rainforest. So having the trimmer right now has made my job so much easier. You thought that was good. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas. Your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping worldwide with code word RAK, R-A-K. Get 20% off free shipping with the code R-A-K at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code word R-A-K. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Well, there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, If you have any questions, feel free to DM me or message me. I'm always available. But before you leave, guys, make sure to follow at K-O-O-L-R-A-K at Immortals Jiu-Jitsu. Check out the website, immortalsjujitsu.com, and please rate my podcast five stars on whatever platform you are viewing it on. Share it on your stories and help the podcast grow. Thank you once again for your support and your patronage.